Hello and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andrew Degler, and today we are going to discuss some of the biggest funding rounds of the week, some micromobility news stories, some M&A deals, and a little bit of EU policy. Later on, I would also like to play you an interview with Tjarda Fornemann, the lead of the Tech Leap Rise program in the Netherlands. So let's start with the news. What a week! Looks like quite a few companies had made a decision, which I would agree was logical, to hold their announcements until after the election week in the US. And so this week opened a bit of a floodgate, which we certainly could feel in the TechEU virtual newsroom. First up, funding deals. Farfetch, the UK-based online fashion retailer, has landed 1.1 billion US dollars from Alibaba and Swiss watch and jewelry group Richmond. The FT reports that the company will use the money to to expand in the fast-growing luxury goods market in China. Leila Abbott, who covered the deal for the FT, emphasizes the importance of it. The fact that these companies are now working together is really a sign that the pandemic is changing the luxury retail landscape towards digital buying. It also shows that the center of gravity for the industry is slowly moving to Asia. Quoting further from the FT, as part of the partnership, Farfetch will help fashion and upmarket brands launch their own online stores on Alibaba's Tmall Luxury Pavilion and Tmall Global. Those two platforms already attract millions of Chinese shoppers, and luxury brands like how they give them control over everything from pricing to the look and feel of the online stores. The quote ends. In other pandemic-fueled funding deals, the UK-based online event platform Hopin has raised 125 million US dollars in a round led by IVP and Tiger Global. This raise values the 17-months-old company at a staggering 2.1 billion US dollars as VentureBeat reports. And I have to say it's been a hell of a year for Hopin, of course. This is the third funding round it has announced in 2020 after a 6.5 million raise in February and then another 40 million raise in June. Uh, Hopin launched a few months before the pandemic struck, so back in 2019, and it has been growing like crazy ever since. As of today, it has 200 employees, 3.5 million users, and 50,000 organizations registered on the platform. It also plans to hire 150 more people by the end of this year, effectively almost doubling the current headcount. Another week, another European unicorn. This time it comes from Estonia, where Pipedrive has just become the country's fifth company valued above 1 billion US dollars. To be precise, the startup was reportedly valued at some 1.5 billion US dollars as it attracted a majority investment from Vista Equity Partners, which is an Austin, Texas based private equity firm. So, Pipedrive, which is headquartered in New York, is now effectively owned by Vista. It mentioned also in a statement uh, that Bessemer Venture Partners, Inside Partners, Atomico, DTCP, and Rembrandt Venture Partners will continue as minority investors in the company. The parties did not disclose the actual amount of the deal. Moving forward, remember we featured an interview with Job van der Ford, co-founder of Remote.com, just a couple of weeks ago? Now, the company has just raised 35 million US dollars in a round led by Index Ventures and Sequoia Capital. To remind you what it was all about, here is a quote from a story by my colleague Annie Masgrove. As its name suggests, the platform helps companies to employ fully distributed global teams. It offers international payroll, benefits, taxes, and visa and immigration services, as well as a free platform for global contractor management and payments. Since its public launch earlier this year, Remote says it's been approached by thousands of companies and has doubled its customer base every month. The quote ends. 
And here comes the last funding round that we are going to talk about today, and it will also nicely bring us to the next topic of the day. Tier Mobility, an e-scooter startup based in Germany, has raised 250 million US dollars, and the round was led by SoftBank Vision Fund 2. Tier will use the money to develop its offering and expand into new types of micromobility, it says. It also did not say which types of micromobility it means, but it's most likely to be e-mopeds for now, because remember, some time ago, Tier acquired the fleet of Berlin-based Coupe, and it is already offering e-mopeds in the German capital. I would also expect to see Tier e-bikes on the streets soon enough, but that's probably something for a later date. Right now, Tier has attracted the most money compared to other European e-scooter companies. The difference with Voi and Bolt is more than twofold, and with Dot and Wind, it's even bigger. I've just read a great overview slash analysis piece by Amy Lune uh, over at Sifted, in which people she interviewed voice opposite opinions on whether the e-scooter market is a winner-takes-it-all kind of environment. That's really a good question, I have to say. And yeah, no one actually asked me that question, but let me still try to answer it. First, I think that e-scooter market is indeed a winner-takes-it-all one, but only when it's not tightly regulated. So whoever is able to attract more capital and throw more better vehicles at lower prices at customers would, in my opinion, become the dominant player over a couple of years. That's sort of logical. At the same time, e-scooter market in Europe is not a winner-takes-it-all one, because, as we can already see, more and more cities are starting to tightly regulate it. Paris here would be a good example. Remember, back in July, the city issued three licenses, each allowing to deploy up to 5,000 e-scooters. With this kind of regulations and limitations in place across Europe, it is going to be way harder, or rather impossible, really, to dominate the market just through the sheer amount of money in your war chest. At the moment, Tier has a total of 60,000 e-scooters in 80 cities across 10 countries. It's also working on a new model of an e-scooter, which would include batteries that can be swapped by users themselves. So this way, the users would earn free credits, while Tier would save money on doing the swapping itself. Now, let's stay on the topic of e-scooters for a little bit. Just a couple of days after Tier's announcement, its Estonian-born rival Bolt made one of its own. This one does not involve external funding, but it does mention that the company will invest more than 100 million euros in its micromobility business. At the moment, Bolt's e-scooters are available in 45 cities in 15 countries. Next year, however, Bolt plans to expand to 100 cities and offer a total of 130,000 e-scooters and e-bikes to its customers. This way, Bolt expects to become the largest micromobility operator in Europe. But of course, it does not take into account whatever tier is going to do with its new money. And to finish with e-scooters for now, let us move to Ireland. CNBC reports that a bill has been introduced in Irish Parliament that would create, finally, a legal statement for e-scooters on the country's roads. Quoting from the piece, Bill, if enacted, would allow for private and shared scooters to use roads and cycleways capped at a speed of 25 km per hour and for people over the age of 16. Unlike the UK trials this year, the bill does not require a user to have a provisional driver's license. A best-case scenario would see the bill passed by late January. Coming up next in our today's agenda is a quick overview of major M&A deals in the industry. 
First, Take Two Interactive, a company that we, well, most of us, know by the Grand Theft Auto series and the games like NBA 2K, has bought the UK based Codemasters for £726 million in cash and stock. Codemasters, uh, in its turn, is mostly known by the titles like Colin McRae and the series of official Formula One racing games. Second deal, Spotify has announced that it is going to purchase the US-based podcast company Megaphone for 235 million US dollars. The parties did not say whether the deal is in cash, stock or both. Megaphone, which used to be called Panoply Media, is not just a hosting platform, mind you, but also an ad tech company that offers dynamic advertising tools. Simply speaking, it means that different people listening to the same show will hear different ads based on their location or demographics or any other information that the platform has. Spotify will introduce these ads insertion tools for its own publishers to monetize their content after the acquisition deal closes. So if you are a podcaster and want to step up your monetization efforts and you are on Spotify, keep your eyes peeled. Now a bit of a different story to finish up this section today. Uh, Under Armour, the US-based athletic apparel maker is shutting down the fitness tracker Endemondo. Endemondo was founded back in 2007 in Denmark and then it was acquired by Under Armour in 2015 for 85 million US dollars. And the last part of today's episode before we move on to the interview is an EU policy overview. As uninspiring as it may sound to some people, I believe that this topic is actually very important and we all should pay more attention to what's going on in Brussels since it actually touches us all at the end of the day. So earlier this week, a report surfaced in the Austrian press, which was very much discussed on Twitter as well, and it was quickly interpreted in a way that the EU is going to ban end-to-end encryption. The report was based on a document that's called a draft resolution of the Council of the European Union. So Natasha Lomas over at TechCrunch has written a great overview of the document and what it actually means, so I would certainly point you in that direction if you want to know more. But in short, no one is suggesting to ban end-to-end encryption or create backdoors for the government. This particular draft appears to be largely meant to start a wider discussion on security and encryption, and also it would be extremely hard to get anywhere near banning such encryption without changing a whole lot of laws and regulations of the EU. So nothing bad is actually happening at the moment, but if you are a security researcher or industry professional, now could be a good time for you to get involved in the conversation, and this is actually what the Commission is asking. Next up, on Tuesday, the Commission said that Amazon, I quote, breached European antitrust rules by using independent sellers' data for its own benefit, the quote ends. It also announced a second formal investigation into Amazon's e-commerce processes, and that would be focusing on how Amazon decides which sellers can offer goods via Amazon Prime. So the antitrust conclusion is great, but it does not actually mean a lot in the practical sense. It does not constitute any legal charges against Amazon, as the commission uh, said itself. And right now, the e-commerce giant will have a chance to examine the commission's conclusions and reply in writing or via an oral hearing. So it may take, it will take more years for actual action to be taken by the European Commission, but this is an important first step. 
And to finish this part of the episode, let us take a quick look at the EU budget news. Very exciting. The European Commission has agreed on a 1.8 trillion euro recovery package to, I quote, rebuild a post-COVID-19 Europe, which will be greener, more digital, more resilient. And the quote ends. What's important for us is that the package contains extra 4 billion euros for the Horizon Europe Research and Innovation Program. However, let us not forget that back in July, the seven-year budget for Horizon Europe was cut by 13.5 billion euros. So, while these 4 billion euros are a very welcome boost, it still does not cover what was taken away before. Now, it is time to talk to our today's guest. I think TechEU readers have already noticed that we have recently partnered with TechLeapRise, which is a program for scale-up companies based in the Netherlands. There are 11 companies in the current cohort, and we are going to run profile pieces on all of them. We have already started. I have interviewed all the companies actually already, and I'm very excited to be writing the rest of the pieces next week. But for the podcast, I wanted to talk to Tiarda Forneman, who leads the program and can tell us more about about it. Hi, Tiarda. Welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Now, uh, uh, I have already heard a lot about uh, the Tech Leap Rise program. I have already interviewed all 11 startups in the cohort, and I have to say I have mostly heard really good things. So uh, good job. Congratulations on, uh, on, this, on this program. Uh, but for everybody else, can you quickly walk us through uh, what the program is like, uh, who is it for, and what it consists of? Sure. Well, the TechLeap Rise program is for the most promising Dutch tech scale-ups who really want to go big. And what we do is that we bring in small batches um, uh, every time 10 scale-ups together. And we share deep insights uh, on scaling their businesses and we bring connections. So Mm -hmm. what we actually do is that we create a safe environment where peer learning is really, really key. Um, The scale-ups, they put, uh, within a few sessions, scale-ups put their biggest challenges on the table. They share actionably tips and tricks uh, Mm -hmm. about scaling, about growing their businesses. And, well, it's really in a peer setting. And we do this on five different topics in five different sessions. And the topics are talent to grow, operations that scale, raise capital, going international and product and IP mm-hmm. and all the growth challenges who um, um, yeah, will fit within this specific topic. And every session we also bring experts and a skill icon in the end. And uh, for example, that, that, that's the, um, uh, those are the, the founders of our gen, takeaway.com, Elastic, so pretty great names. Yeah. And they share their lessons, but also give really practical advice um, based on the hurdles the scale-ups are facing. Um, As you can understand, the growth phase is pretty overwhelming. And we want to really um, uh, discuss topics like, we really want to discuss like, which kind of growth challenges keep them uh, awake at night. So mm-hmm. are they still on the right track as a leader? Is the team evolving in the right direction? Um, um, is the team really supporting the company's mission? So also really a lot of those kind of questions. And mm-hmm. what we want to do is give the founders insights and remove their big growth barriers and move them on to the next step. Right, and this is the second uh, batch of uh, uh, Tech Leap Rise. Uh, how is it different from the first one? 
Well, the biggest difference is actually that um, um, the first uh, batch was a general batch, and now we're working in a thematic batch, and that really aligns also with more the techly wider approach. So all the companies who are selected now working within the scope of flattening the climate curve. And that's right. the biggest difference, actually. Right, I see. So speaking of the first iteration, do you maybe have any sort of good stories to tell about this uh, first uh, cohort of the startups, maybe like success stories, anything to share at all? When did it happen, actually? And uh, uh, what is there uh, that you can share? Well, the first batch exists of 10 uh, companies. Um, and the good news is, well, we are in the pandemic. So they're still all alive and they're, most of them are actually moving forward. So that's already, I think, a great success within these times. And then moving forward in numbers of FTE, some of them raise investments. And to give you uh, two really concrete examples, um, uh, one is online payment platform. The name of the company already says, I think, what they're doing. So they're really in on online payments. And um, I can remember that we were talking in sessions about, okay, they wanted to open their first offices and the challenges facing with opening the first uh, office, getting their first customer on board. And they recently opened actually an office in Berlin. And last week we received pretty good news that they got like the local eBay on board as their big customer. And they were in run like with big names in the online payment world. I don't need to mention, I think right. everyone knows <laughs> who I'm talking about, but they, they well, they won the competition. And um, I think that's really great news. Pretty Another uh, startup maybe, which is really tangible is Mapic. This company make use of smart technology, really understand how employees use the offices. And now, um, well, depends a little bit on the meshes, but when we're going back to the office, this software can regulate also how to go back to safe to the offices. They got like a huge ask and they hired like 50 new people the last couple of weeks, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, yeah. Wow. They're doing quite a good job. <laughs> Yeah, this is great. So speaking of the pandemic, I mean, we could not uh, avoid it. And we have just uh, heard uh, uh, the new regulations uh, in the Netherlands. So mm -hmm. how is it influencing the program, uh, e especially since the program is actually based on this peer-to-peer uh, -peer interaction and the meetings? How, how has it been for you? Well, it's exactly what you say. Um, it's really about peer learning and it's about connections and that's what you prefer in real life. So having deep, deep discussions, you want to see like body language, you want to take a look in each other's eyes. And what we saw with the first batch is that they really became friends um, uh, because we could have on safe distance for sure, uh, have drinks afterwards. And um, well, also the social part, could really take place within this first batch, which isn't possible at the moment. So we work online. Um, we want to to to. We really want to show leadership. Um, we are allowed to meet with thirty people, but um, well, we we just simply made the decision not doing it. Um, right. So we're working online, and that is harder. But also here, we really try to show leadership and facilitate these connections. Facilitate also like a fun part. Um, but it's harder and um, um, yeah, it, it might be that we missed the sparkle, We, but well, we do our best 
And um, um, well, like you said, you talked to the to the eleven companies of the first cohort, and so far they are they are satisfied, and um, we helped them to overcome the hurdles, and that's the most important. Yes, yes, absolutely. And speaking of the eleven companies, like even though they all fit into this uh, flattening the climate curve uh, topic, they are very different companies from what I can see. They approach the question very differently. Uh, they have very different size. Some of them are on, are on, are on like different stages, even though they're all within this uh, growth uh, sort of uh, uh, stage of their lives. So how do you how do you approach these differences? Uh, is there any sort of one size fits all thing that uh, uh, you can apply to uh, this kind of cohort. Yes, um, and what you didn't mention is even within this same theme, within this theme, we have different industries, and I think that yeah, exactly. the is different uh, actually. Um, so, but still, most of the companies are facing the same challenges, the same growing pains. And those general topics, for example, on, on talent, the transition from being a founder to from founder to CEO, strategic questions when you want to open your first office um, or when you want to go abroad, when when and how to expand, they're still pretty generic. And we still have valuable peer discussion. Um, and even if it sometimes happens that it don't fit to you, you get a lot out of it. And um, however, like I said, the industries are still pretty different and um, um, there's a huge difference between scaling a deep tech company and or a SaaS company. And how we cover this is that we want to connect them to experts who can help them in overcoming their this specific hurdles. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of hardware companies also, I have to say, and so, and some of this hardware is like big sort of hardware, like industrial machinery. So I was really, I was really interested to, uh, to hear from them how it, uh, how it was for them. But seems like, uh, seems like they're, they're happy with, uh, what, with what they're getting with the program. Yeah, and they, uh, for, for example, the company you're talking about, uh, yesterday we had the session about operations that skill, and that was really an important topic for them. So. Yeah. They are scaling and operations that 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 is well, it's changing and um, yeah, we right. can have then still a SaaS company and like this really really hardware company can have a valuable discussion on a certain topic. So we try right. to find those elements where where we share where we can share um, um, uh, learnings and um, having a good discussion. Right. So normally, as far as uh, as far as I know, well, I mean, as far as I've experienced, uh, accelerator programs, for example, they have uh, demo days at the end. On uh, TechLeap's website, there is something that's called Connection Day at the end of the program. Uh, what's uh, what's what's what is it? Yes, that's also because we don't want to uh, call ourselves an accelerator, although we accelerate growth. Um, we. Well, we are a bit different, like I explained already. Yeah. Um, yes, we end in connection day. Uh, so we, what, what we do is that we bring together like a whole bunch of connectors. Um, it's curated. Um, so people who know the challenges and can understand the challenges of the scale-ups, who are very well networked, and um, uh, yes, the scale-ups um, perform and, and pitch their challenges to this curated audience um, in order, well, they have specific ask and it can really differ. Uh, and, and, and they just 
put their ask on the table and the connectors are there to open their networks. Wow, this is an interesting concept. Did it work well with the first uh, cohort? Well, actually we had like a small trial or test cohort before we had the official one. Um, um, and, and that was really like with a small group of um, COVID uh, scale-ups. And there it worked extremely well um, because it was really something specific. Um, they were all working within the same field. Um, um, and there, there were most, most of them were really like medical solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, there it went pretty well. Um, the first one, it was okay, but we also felt that we had to improve our messaging in order to get really the right people on board. Uh, but for this thematic batch, uh, the signups are pretty promising again. So my expectations are high. <laughs> <laughs> right. And what comes after the connection day? So the program ends, the connection day is over. Everybody has uh, Zoom drinks. Uh, what happens next? Well, then it actually starts. <laughs> um, yeah, it's and no, it's really, we're making fun of it. But for me, it really starts because then you are part of the RISE alumni community. And we have an ongoing process of connecting, create opportunities for them. Uh, we do that together with the whole tech leap team, as you can understand. We continue with the peer learning. We we check in with the scale-ups every quarterly. So we really want to understand their challenges and then facilitate um, a sessions, simply Q&A sessions with, with entrepreneurs or with experts on a specific topic. For example, last week we have we had a session with with um, a really on customer insights. Um, planned is a session really on how to form a board or how mm-hmm. to... Um, um, with share options, for example, is on the agenda. Like, how does it work with share options? Um, um, and those sessions are really within small groups over the batches. So it's a mingle of different batches, um, only for the scale-ups who are really facing those problems. And really, it's a Q&A session. Um, yeah. So we start facilitating that and actually... I have an I have really an end goal. So TechLeap exists till 2023, and the end goal I have I have in mind is that we have like this really great self-fulfilling peer network of the most promising Dutch leaders in tech. Right. Yeah. Th- th- this sounds this sounds like a great uh, great initiative. So, and uh, until 2023, how many scale-ups uh, do you expect to have uh, gone through the program? Well, um, what we plan now is that we have four batches a year, mm-hmm. uh, at least. Uh, but we're working also on something, well, next to that. So we say now 250 uh, by the end of 2023. Ah, that's a lot. Are there actually enough uh, scale-ups in the Netherlands for this? Well, that's a... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> If you well, um, yeah, we think so, um, but uh, we have to see. And um, what we do now is a lot of account management too on 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 startups who looks really promising. Um, try to speed them up and um, within the ecosystem, really keep keep an eye on them, and um, they will evolve. So maybe right. they're ready now. They aren't ready now, but maybe in two years. Yeah. Right. 
So it's kind of a growing your own scale up kind of thing. Absolutely, <laughs> we are grow up. We are really a scale up ourselves too as well. We iterate more, <laughs> and um, we really try to give back to the ecosystem. Um, Perfect. Now, this is it for my questions. Sharda, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for joining today again, and uh, good luck with the uh, finali with finalizing the program. Thank you. And this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, please help us spread the word. Tell a friend or colleague about the show and follow our updates on Twitter at tech underscore EU. Audio engineering for this podcast is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Please feel free to email us with any questions, suggestions, and opinions at podcast at tech.eu. I will talk to you again next week. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend and take care. Bye-bye.